Hi everyone, this is Jessica Chen and you are listening to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Each episode is meant to teach and inspire you to find new ways to level up your speaking skills. Because here's the truth, it's possible and I'm so thrilled you're here. If you enjoyed this podcast, please hit the follow button and share this episode with your friends and family. Now let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Communicating Confidently podcast. Today, I am talking with Kelsey Moore, and she is one of our board of communicators here at Soulcast Media, meaning if anybody is ever looking for one-on-one communications coaching, well, she's one of our members that you can book time with. Now, Kelsey is a communications expert. She has a PhD in communications. She teaches communications at a university, so there is no shortage in terms of advice when it comes to figuring out how to level up your communication skills. And Kelsey Moore is here to talk with me about it. Now, today we're going to be talking about mastering impromptu speaking. Now, I don't know about you all, but impromptu speaking is not an easy thing to perfect. And that's because oftentimes you are having to think on the spot. But today, Kelsey and I are going to be sharing a lot of our favorite tips and tricks, including how to get over that anxious energy that we might feel when we are put on the spot. So let's get started. Hello, Kelsey. Hi, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. It is a very cool 108 degrees here in West Texas. I'm seeing all the fun places that everyone is from. So if you have me beat, definitely let us know. I know here in the U.S. we're kind of going through a heat wave of sorts. I'm here in California, and I mean, it's definitely not over 100 here where I am in California, but it is a bit warm for sure. So Kelsey, uh, as I mentioned to everybody else, you are one of our public speaking coaches here at Soulcast Media, but you also have a PhD in communications. You, of course, do communications coaching. You teach at a university on communication. So there's no doubt that I would consider you a communications expert. So I'm very excited to have you on here today. But for those who don't know you, yes, please share a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So hello, everyone. I am Kelsey, and I'm super excited to be here. Um, Before we jump in too far, Jessica, do you mind making sure that we are live and ready to go? Because I'm seeing some comments saying that it kind of paused, and then I'm not quite sure we're all together. So I think everything should be working right now. So if it doesn't, you can, for those who, I mean, if you're listening and you don't see us, just if you want to refresh, that can also kind of help um, reset it, but we should be good to go. Cool. Awesome. So um, I really started my communication journey when I was really small. So I um, was really tasked with providing very short speeches and um, opportunities at a very large church when I was really, really young. And I just didn't have the same public speaking anxiety that a lot of people had. And so as I got older, I was really encouraged to pursue that a little bit more. And in college was able to really look at some uh, speech competitions and, and get some opportunities to pursue that. So I just knew that that was something that I wanted to do as far as teaching and coaching and really started coaching whenever I was in my master's program, when the business school was was talking about how a lot of their students, MBA students, people going into business, being executives, accountants, were really struggling to present in a very clear and compelling way. And so in that role, I was really able to help people to develop their confidence and be able to present things Um, in a persuasive way whenever they're they're pitching to investors or talking to their managers. And so just really fell in love with working with people and helping them to overcome whatever communication challenge that they have in front of them. And this is not a skill that we should underestimate, right? And I think all of us know that communicating well, communicating confidently, communicating clearly is so important for how we are perceived at work how people can understand working with us. It's how we can share our ideas. Now, today's topic is about impromptu speaking. And I think it's very much related to just 
the everyday conversations we have at work. So to kind of just set the groundworks of our topic today, what is impromptu speaking for you, Kelsey? Like, what does it mean? Um, is it just getting up on stage and just starting to do a speech or is impromptu speaking more than that? Yeah, absolutely. So impromptu speaking means a lot of different things. In the more formal competition world, we have impromptu speeches where students or competitors are given a topic and sometimes they'll either get one minute or they'll get seven, 10 minutes to prepare a full speech about that topic. And then they're evaluated on how well they do that. In a more informal setting, impromptu speaking is really just any topic, any speech, whether it's um, a small you know, interview setting or a large formal presentation where you're giving some kind of speaking presentation or event with very little preparation and no notes at all. So it's a little bit of a misnomer because really good impromptu speakers have preparation in terms of practice and they have kind of an outline in their head or framework to work from, but it's not like a prepared presentation where mm -hmm. you're really coming up with your main points, you're fleshing them out, you're practicing, you're rehearsing, you know what questions you're going to be asked. So when we think about communication environments, the majority of our speaking is impromptu when we think about it. And then one related area is improvisational speaking, which we think of a lot in terms of comedy. So this is the idea that the main characters, the storylines, the, the um, jokes that we think of are all sort of made up on the spot. And so really it's just the idea of speaking without preparation. I imagine a lot of us who are watching and listening right now that we are engaging in some sort of impromptu speaking. And as Kelsey mentioned, impromptu speaking can be as simple as somebody asking you for something on the spot. That's impromptu, right? Somebody asking you a question and you have to suddenly think of how do I respond? That's impromptu. So actually, I'm curious and I would love to get the audience's thoughts right in the chat. When do you find yourself specifically? in these impromptu situations that get you the most nervous, actually. And is it when you're talking to your boss? Is it when you know you're in a meeting where there's a lot of people? Type into the chat of when do you find yourself in impromptu speaking situations that tend to get your heart start pumping? And I imagine those who are watching, which by the way, over 170 of you are dialed in right now, which is amazing, so welcome. I imagine a lot of those who are watching right now get those nerves, those nerves when they're put on the spot. And I think it's very natural to feel that way. I certainly have felt that way many, many times of when somebody says, Jessica, tell, tell us about the da, da, da. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I have to think quickly. So Kelsey, what are some tips of how people can manage impromptu speaking situations. And I know we're seeing a lot of folks who are writing when they feel that way. It's in management meetings. A lot of it is in meetings with C-suite executives. Um, I saw somebody said interviews. Okay, so yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of places and scenarios where people are like, oh gosh, I'm on the spot. So Kelsey, what are some tips that you can provide for folks who find themselves really feeling that way. Yeah, so the first thing I would say is, we know from research that impromptu speaking tends to lower people's confidence. And in fact, there's been some research that shows it lowers 20 to 30%. So we're looking at people that otherwise feel really confident, and then they get into a situation like an interview or a meeting or um, a team leadership setting, and, and they're less confident. And that's that's to tell you that this is normal, as you said, this is to be expected. So one tip that I would have is, you know, anytime we are, are doing something that our body or our brain sees as a stressful event, we're going to have a physical reaction to it. So what you're experiencing, the clammy, you know, the clammy hands, the sweating, the heart racing, that is your brain saying, this is a problem and we need to avoid this problem or, you know, it triggers that fight or flight response. And so the idea here is to be able to manage it so that it's not debilitating and it's not preventing you from achieving your goals. 
a lot of people think that they can and they should get rid of that anxiety. And the reality is if you have absolutely no anxiety, whenever it comes to some of the things that you need to accomplish, you're going to be bored, right? You're going to not put in the same amount of effort that, you know, it requires if you have a moderate amount of anxiety. There's been some look at human performance, and I'm sure everybody can relate. If you're bored in your job, you're not mm -hmm. performing well. If yeah. you are so anxious, you're also not going to perform well. So that amount of anxiety should be in moderation so that we're able to use that pump of energy that helps us with the clarity of thinking and the ability to um, answer the question in the interview or remember all of our points, things like that. So in some ways, anxiety can work for us if yes. we're willing to, to work with it. So that would be my big tip is to try to reframe things and realize that most of the time, unless you are in a very hostile environment, your audience is cheering you on, they're, they're wanting you to succeed and really looking at this anxiety, this physical response is something that can help you rather than hurt you. And then the second thing I would say is practice is always going to help you to overcome those things, but not just any practice, good practice, practice with good habits. And so we can probably talk about this more a little bit later, but I think that if you are nervous about doing something, most of the time, the people I talk to, it's because they don't have practice in those skills. It would be the same as if I asked you to, you know, calculate the quadratic formula and you haven't thought about algebra in years. So we want to reduce anxiety by giving tools and skills and practice and feedback so that you know what to do when you get asked a random question and you have no idea how to answer it, or you've got all these eyes looking at you, there's, there's techniques that you can use to work out of those things. So two takeaways here. The first one is anxiety. The anxiety that you may feel when you are put on the spot, it's not a terrible thing. And I know it may feel really crippling for some of us, but it's reframing our thinking of it. When somebody puts you on the spot and your heart starts pumping, don't be like, oh gosh, this is this is sucks. I hate being here. I don't like this, right? Reframe your thinking to be like, okay, it's okay. I hear what the person's asking. Let me think about my response and how I can address their question. So it's also even just allowing yourself a breath. That breath to just, okay, give myself a moment. Uh, I often talk about this movement to help uh, I guess, showcase uh, being more collected. If we do feel nervous, it's like the down up point. So if somebody asks you something, you're like, oh my gosh. So just, you know, look down, nod your head. And this is a way for you to kind of just like recollect any of the anxious moments. Because what you want to avoid is just blurting out answers and being like, um, uh, um. So if somebody asks you something, I always share with my clients to pause, look down, nod your head. And this is to kind of like give the perception that you're thinking, but it's really to help calm any of those anxious nerves. And then you look up and give your pointed response. Great question, Kelsey. I was thinking A, B, and C. So now when you respond, it's less mumble jumbled and it's more direct and clear. So that's one tip that I feel like can help people, I guess, not necessarily remove that anxious feeling, but it's to reframe it. And the second tip that you shared was practice. You can absolutely practice impromptu speaking, even though it's impromptu. And it's almost as simple as getting somebody to ask you some quick fire questions. You know, you can do it with your, your partner, your friend, you know, just being like, hey, let's practice putting me on the spot and getting me comfortable. Because that's the thing. I think a lot of us aren't comfortable being put on the spot. But if you have somebody who's helping you practice being put on the spot, that can help as well. So any thoughts about that, Kelsey? Yeah. When I work with some clients um, that are just, I'm asking them questions, we're practicing impromptu and they're just killing it. A lot of times I'll ask them a little bit more about, you know, how did you get to be able to you know, speak so well under pressure. I'm throwing out these random questions and they're giving me these really in-depth, cool answers. And I had one client recently who said, well, my kids just always ask me, dad, can you share stories? And I just make up stories and I sell it. And I guess I'm just really good at lying. 
<laughs> but I, I loved the candor of that response. And when I've worked with kids, you know, eight, nine, 10 year olds, they are so good at impromptu speaking. You mm. ask them a question about why does grass grow? And they will give you, you know, a five, 10, 20 minute answer about how it works and they believe it and they can really, you know, compel you to believe what they're saying. And so I think that, you know, as we get older, we, we have less imagination. We have more fear of what people are going to think. We have this pressure to get everything right the first time, especially you have a type A personality or you're working in a, an environment that prioritizes details and making sure you get it right. That can be hard. But, you know, we, we are human and communication is a human aspect of us. And so it's okay to stumble. It's okay to pause. It's okay to say, you know what? I don't know the answer to that question, but here is how I would figure it out. And in a lot of interviews, that's what they're really wanting is to yep. see how you would problem solve, not necessarily that you know all of the answers. And there's interviewers that I know purposely choose questions like that to see what you do under pressure and to see how you respond when you're put on the spot. So yes, absolutely. I think, you know, practice and, and including the kids in it is, is a great way to, to have some fun and also really learn from them how well they're able to come up with some of these crazy ideas on the spot. I love the example of kids because it's true. There's going to be some kids out there where you ask them a question and they just are able to pull out this imaginary story and it's like, and they, they sell it. And, yeah. and you, for whether you're a parent or an aunt or uncle, you're thinking, wow. Yeah. And then you kind of almost like, you know, play along with them. Right. Mm -hmm. But kids are a really good example. Some kids are just kind of just like talking and maybe even like just going off. Right. And it's actually quite cute. So one of the things that I want to talk about is the heart of being put on the spot mm. when we're, put on the spot, we talked about that anxious energy, but the result of our communications, and I think some of us can relate to this, is when we do respond, our response is very mumbled. It's very all over the place. It's it's littered with filler words, hedging words. It's And then the person listening can absolutely then tell, oh gosh, this person either doesn't know what they're talking about, or I just don't understand what they're saying. And you, as a person speaking, you don't want to be perceived that way because that's not part of building even those like leadership skills that are very important to rise up in your work. So with this question in mind, Kelsey, do you have any tips for folks who do happen to stumble, mumble, uh, just kind of even start talking in circles, repeating themselves? How can somebody avoid that? Yeah. So anytime I'm, I'm working with someone, I always try to find the root because when we're talking about things like filler words, posture, gestures, all of these external things, they're usually a symptom of something that's happening under the surface. And when I think about something like filler words, for instance, one of the big reasons why we use filler words is because we want to be able to hold the floor, so to speak. So right now I'm talking you're listening, I may have a sense of worrying you're going to jump in and interrupt me. So I'm going to make sure that there's not a lot of pauses in my speech so that you know I'm talking and I have the floor right now. So sometimes when we're trying to think of the next thing to say, we'll insert a filler word, right? When someone asks us a question and we don't know, we may mumble, we may stumble, we may use filler words because we're buying ourselves time we're filling that silence because we're so uncomfortable with silence. And then that prevents us from demonstrating confidence, right? So when working with someone that, that has some of these challenges, one of the things that we look at is confidence. And so are you okay with a little bit of silence whenever someone asks you a question in an interview? Because that two, three, four seconds feels like an eternity to us. But silence is really a great way to establish power. You know, if you are asked somebody a question and then you don't jump in and explain and kind of help them out, sometimes people keep talking and you can get a lot of information that way. That's a great tip for those that investigate, you know, and they're, they're doing invest, you know, interviews and, and uh, investigations, be able to ask questions. Be, being able to be comfortable with silence is a sign of confidence and it will keep you from jumping in too soon. It'll keep you from getting off track. 
I said what I needed to say, I wrapped it up and I kept going. So I think a lot of what you're referring to is that confidence aspect. Are you okay with, you know, making a mistake? Even in this live, there's been several times when I'm going to be thinking later, oh, I wish I would have said it this way. I wish I used this word. But that's the reality of being human. And that's the reality of being authentic in who you are, is you may not always say things exactly the way you wanted to the first time. And so the key is to say, you know what, I'm here, I'm human, I'm going to make a mistake, but I am confident enough to recover, to go back and say, oh, I meant to say this, or this is what I really wanted to say, or to say, you know what, this is one snapshot of me at one moment in time, and I'm okay with that. So I think just to, to the short answer to your question, I think a lot of it is confidence. And that's something that like everything we can improve with practice, with reframing, with kind of looking at things in a lot of different ways. And this is where I'm actually going to let everybody know we do here at Soulcast Media, we, we actually have a course that's called Communicating with Confidence. And it's, it's exactly what we're talking about here. It's helping folks figure out how to develop that inner confidence. But then in this course, we also talk about communication techniques because you need both. Mm-hmm. I cannot teach somebody communication techniques if they themselves don't feel confident. So I always think of communications as a two-part approach. It's what you mentioned earlier, Kelsey. It's first figuring out why I get so nervous and anxious and I feel like I need to use those filler words. It's identifying and being a bit introspective first. And then once you can identify that, then it's like, let's talk about some techniques and then we can you know, marry in tone of tone of voice, body language and things like that. I wanted to uh, share a tip in regards to filler words too. So one of the filler words that I often hear are people using the words just Mm. and actually. It's not the ums and ahs, it's the just and the actually. And I was actually working with a client recently as well. And I noticed he, anytime I had him do an impromptu speech, he would litter his presentation with just and actually. And I found it so interesting. And I, we were able to actually identify a pattern of why and when he did this. He would use the words just and actually whenever he feel a bit defensive, like as if he had to almost prove something. I'm actually an analytical person. I never thought you weren't an analytical person, <laughs> you know? So I think when all of us are speaking, just being mindful of using those words because uh, me being able to identify, hey, Bob, that's not his name, but I'm just going to say Bob. Like, hey, Bob, why did you feel like you needed to almost supplement you saying that with just and actually? Is it something more deep in you that you feel that you need to say, I'm just, I really am, I'm actually an analytical person, for example, right? Yeah. So that was something a little bit more deep-seated in him that was actually helpful in helping him be like, wait, that's true. I can just say, I'm an analytical person. I have a technical role, you know, instead of having to supplement that. So I don't know if you've ever experienced something like that, Kelsey, in your work. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I find myself, and I, I think other people can relate, when I feel less confident, I tend to hedge which is this idea that we soften the language or we add these qualifiers. I feel this way. I think this possibly might could perhaps maybe work (laughs) versus being a lot more strong in this is what I think, period. Period is the end of the sentence, which is Mm -hmm. why if you've ever been in a Toastmasters organization, they grade your grammar, they evaluate your grammar when you give speeches, which blew my mind the first time I attended. But the idea is you wanna have a full sentence that has an end to it and the next one starts. And so you're right, a lot of these little ticks that we have, these habits can show very quickly that person's nervous, that person Mm -hmm. isn't confident, that person doesn't believe what they say. Another one that I hear a lot, and this happens especially with some of the younger folks that I work with, is um, the idea of up talk. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but it's when the the pitch at the end of your sentence goes up, yep. and it sounds like a question every time you talk, and it's like it, that. It grates on my nerves. But what I what I tell people is, it sounds like you're questioning what you're saying. It sounds like you don't believe what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Because the end of your sentences is sounding like a question rather than that period. 
And just that simple change can really change the way people perceive you. And so if you're struggling with demonstrating your credibility, your confidence, just those little things are going to help you to feel more confident. It's going to help others to see you as more confident because you are stating what you want to say and you're stating it as if you believe it. And that really comes through in your pitch, your voice, your gestures, your filler words, all of those things. And speaking of up talk, you mentioned the period. I always say respect the period. The period is there for a reason. And if we're talking about tone, you know, when you get to the end of a sentence, just remember to kind of go in a downward pitch and just end it there, right? Because the problem with the up talk is you're ending in a higher pitch. You want to end your sentence with a lower pitch so people know, ah, this is exactly what she's trying to say. Mm -hmm. That's it, right? Uh, so for those who actually have just joined us not too long ago, I want to do a quick reset right now. I'm here with Kelsey Moore. She's one of our public speaking coaches here at Soulcast Media. So she works with folks one-on-one -on, -one on things like public speaking, impromptu speaking, like what we're talking about now, but all things communications. And we're talking about how to level up your impromptu speaking. I see some questions that are now coming in in regards to how you know you can you can improve. So we'll get to those questions for sure. For those who are joining, welcome. We have been just chatting and sharing tips on how people can feel more confident and comfortable being put on the spot. And we already shared a lot of tips in terms of you know reframing that anxiety, practicing you know doing the down up point movement to show that you're in control, being mindful of the filler words, uh, words that are like Justin Actually that I talked about earlier. By the way, Kelsey and I have a lot more tips that we are wanting to share. So I know maybe some of you guys are taking down notes, but if you don't want to take down notes, grab our VIP communications pass. You can see the QR code right now here on our screen. We take down all the notes for you. We write down all the golden nuggets that that's shared on this event so you don't have to. So grab your VIP communications pass because we will be putting together our show notes for you so you don't have to do it. It's on your screen right now. So one of the other questions I wanted to ask you, Kelsey, is this idea of when people do start talking, when they're put on the spot, they may start to talk, but it's not really clear in terms of the sequence of their thought. It's kind of all over the place. They may kind of be talking here and then suddenly they're talking about this and you as a listener, you're just like, wait, what? Like, what are you trying to say? How can somebody avoid being in that situation and be able to speak a bit more clearly sequentially? Yeah, so a lot of this depends on context. And so that's why I would encourage you know, all of you to, to do more impromptu speaking training. There's full courses, there's a lot of different tools and techniques that, you know, Jessica and I can help you with because you, you want to learn the different frameworks for being able to handle these kinds of situations. So for instance, for a lot of interviews, I tell folks to use the STAR method, S-T-A-R method. And that is the idea that when someone asks you a question, what would you do if you want to organize your thoughts, kind of a mini outline in your head, that spells out the word star. So your situation, what happened? What did you do? What was going on? The task that you did in that particular situation. So you were working on this project. You were asked to take care of the data by this time, the action that you took, and then the result of that. And what happens in a lot of times in interviews is we'll ask a question, what would you do? Or tell us about a time you worked in the team. And people will tell us, I worked on this project, I did these things, and then they stop. And they forget to tell us the result part of it. And that's really the most important part because it tells us why what you did was effective or why it mattered or why it earned the company more money, things like that. And so that's one example of just kind of a mini framework that you can have in your head whenever you go into an interview. Okay, I'm going to organize my thoughts with these, these four things. A similar one is CAR, C-A-R, context, action, and result. So in, in other settings, I tend to, to think of it in three different points. So if somebody asks me a question, 
a lot of what Jessica's asking you now. I've got two tips for you. This is the first tip. This is the second tip. So some of those basic kind of organizational techniques will give you a framework. And just as a little secret, sometimes I'll say there's three tips and I won't know what my third tip is until I get there. And so you learn to kind of multitask and think through your points as you go along. Sometimes you say, you know what, I had that last thought, can't quite remember it, but I will get back to you on that. But you can always go back to what is your framework for being able to answer this question or handle this specific event. And then if you look at, you know, some of the PR professionals, they know how to pivot really well. I'm not a huge fan of indirectly or answering questions. I like to be able to directly answer questions, but there's certainly lots of techniques that you can do when you get asked a question that really shouldn't be asked or you don't want to answer it. Um, a lot of times I'll just say, it's really interesting. You would ask me a question like that. Where is this coming from? And kind of put it back on them. But there's there's lots of different frameworks. So that, And that's why I said at the beginning, it's not quite right to say that there's no preparation. You have mm-hmm. some tools that you use to be able to break down your thoughts and organize them so that they're a clear way. Um, a lot of times I'll see people in interviews chronologically overviewing things. So tell me about your work history. Tell me about the project that you're working on. You start from the beginning and you kind of work to the end. So there's lots of different organizational frameworks. You know, you've got the STAR method, the CAR method, the, the chronological method, the three main points. You kind of expand each one, wrap things up. And so that way you're going into these things with an idea of how you can put together your, your responses. I was just thinking in many ways right now, you and I are doing impromptu speaking. Yes. We are we are absolutely, we're live. <laughs> this is happening right now. And I I didn't send you any pre-questions, Kelsey. I'm just kind of asking you questions on the spot, kind of going with the flow of the conversation. So it's really interesting kind of watching you as well be able to respond on the spot because this is essentially what we're doing right now. So for those who are watching and listening, you're kind of watching it all in action right now. And I imagine you're using a lot of the frameworks that you shared too. One tip that I wanted to share in terms of how people can be a little bit more clear Mm -hmm. in their responses and not being so mumbled jumbled is to just be really clear about the sequence of your explanation. Mm -hmm. Start out by giving context sometimes because that can really kind of like marry exactly what is it specifically that you're trying to say. I think sometimes people jump around too much in their response because they don't really know, like, where do I start? But I always say, start by thinking the big picture. What is it that the people need to know from a high level so that when you go into the details of your answer, people already have a general understanding? I'm not even talking about giving like a five minute you know, explanation. Just let people know, oh, okay, you know, just to let you know, there was about 100 people here And then we did this. So it kind of, you're just providing context. And I think that's kind of one thing that I see missing a lot is people dive straight into a pointed answer, but there's no context surrounding it. And the thing with context is it's actually quite powerful. It can actually make your answer a lot more powerful because people understand the bigger picture. So for you as a communicator, you want to be able to provide that context so people go, oh, I see how it fits in. I see how it goes. So I think that's really important. One of the things that I wanted to also mention is a lot of times people also feel nervous when they're asked to do something, for example, but they themselves don't want to say no, and but it's like kind of on the spot. So you kind of feel the pressure to say yes. So I have some tips to share in regards to how do you confidently say no to something when you're put on the spot? Uh, But Kelsey, for you first, do you have any tips on how somebody can say no to something when they feel like they have to say yes on the spot, but they really don't want to do that? Yeah, so I really, again, I think this a lot depends on the context, the person, when it's a professional setting, if someone asks me to do something that that I'm not willing to do, most of the time it's because I have other obligations, my plate is full, yep. and taking this on is really going to cause me to take my attention away yep. from something else. And so I always frame my no as this is how 
this is either hurting the company or the goals, or this is how I can pivot so that it is benefiting you as my manager or the mission. So for instance, you know, if I'm, if I'm asked to take on additional work, I might say, well, I can, but I'm going to have to let go of this committee work. I'm going to have to adjust this amount of, you know, these amounts of assignments or whatever in order to accommodate this. So which one would you want me to do? And I give the choice back to the person that's really in charge and understands which one, you know, is best mm-hmm. in order to help them to see I'm willing to work with you. I'm not trying to be difficult, but this is the impact of me saying yes to you. Um, the other thing that I think is really helpful is every single yes that you make to something is a no to something else. And when I really understood that, I was able to say no a lot easier because that meant I was saying um, no to something else. I was saying no to my free time. I was saying no to my workout. I was saying no to time with my family or time with my cat or my reading time, right? So sometimes the people pleasers in us don't think too much about our yeses and our noes, but we have limited time every day. And so if we give that time to things that we really don't want to give time to, then that is taking away time from somewhere else. And then the last thing I would say is a lot of times I think people personally and professionally will respect you more if you're willing to say no and you sort of set the expectation for how you're going to be treated in that particular workplace or that relationship. And so if you're wanting to be promoted, if you're wanting to grow in your leadership, people need to be able to know that you have that ability because nobody likes leaders that take on so much that aren't able to lead. Right. Mm -hmm. So part of, you know, being able to see that, you know what, some people may like me more if I'm willing to say no. And, And again, reframing and coming back to how do I see this as a good thing, as something that benefits me and my company or my relationship rather than as a bad thing or a negative thing? I have, um, first of all, that was actually, you said it so well. And I actually have a, a framework that I want to share. And it's from a communication standpoint of how you can essentially say no. And of course, here at Soulcast Media, we're all about giving you the communication tips because that's exactly what we do. We want to help you kind of build that confidence. And of course, a lot of it has to do with figuring out what exactly to say. So to kind of jump on your point, Kelsey, if you do want to confidently say no, I always follow what I call the EOT approach. And essentially, if you want to say no, you start with E. You just explain why you can't do it. Explain, I'm sorry, I have a deadline that I need to meet by next week. Or sorry, I won't be able to take that on because I have um, a full plate right now. So you want to first explain why it's a no. You don't want to just be like, no, sorry, and then just walk away, right? No, you have to be able to communicate a little bit more eloquently the reason why you're saying no. So it starts with the E, explain. And then the O is you offer options. So just like kind of like what you said earlier, Kelsey, I can't do this right now because my plate is full, but why don't you touch base with me next week? Cause my plate will be a little bit more clear. My schedule will have freed up or it's a no, but why don't you talk to Jessica? Jessica is actually a great person to speak to about this topic. Why don't you reach out to her? She might be a good resource for you. So you're offering options. And then the T is your tone. So when you are saying no, how is it coming off? Is it no? Or is it, oh, okay, no, I won't be able to do that. But again, here are some options. So the EOT approach is what I always think about when, you know, even people ask me, oh, hey, Jessica, can you do this? Can you help us with that? And unfortunately, my plate is so full, I have to say no sometimes because like you mentioned earlier, you saying yes is you technically saying no to other things, right? So I think that has really helped me in my communications and just following this EOT approach can help with even your sequence of speaking as well. So one of the questions that I want to get to, and I saw somebody ask this, and by the way, for those who are watching right now, please throw any questions that you have in the chat function. But somebody was asking about nervous laughing. 
And I imagine that is a response of when you're put on the spot and maybe you don't know what you want to say. So you just nervously laugh. I saw that as a question. So Kelsey, have you ever experienced something like, like that before? Uh, how do you tr troubleshoot that? Is it even a bad thing? Yeah, I think like we talked about earlier, it, it is this we as humans, and I'm sure there's some cultural aspects of this as well, but we just can't stand silence. We just, it's awkward. We feel the need to fill it. So whether it's a filler word or some other sound or laughter, I think we just, we can't be comfortable with a question being asked and some seconds passing and then maybe someone jumps in, maybe someone doesn't. And so I tell people with filler words or, or you know, the, the nervous laughter, try to practice just not making any sound, practice just being comfortable with that silence. And over time, that silence, you know, will, the, the time elapsed will get longer, you'll start to feel more comfortable. And then who knows, maybe the next time someone asks a question, you'll sit there and wait, you know, for, for several seconds before you respond. And for me, you know, I teach a lot. And so I get really comfortable asking a question to my students. And this is a great tip for those of you who are, are in meetings. When you ask questions, nobody's responding. Wait and count 10 or 15 seconds. And sometimes I have students that'll jump in, you know, nine, 10 seconds to, to provide an answer because sometimes people need time to think about the question that you're asking. And so I get very used to, you know, a room full of eyeballs looking at me and no, no talking, but I know at first it can seem really scary. And so just getting comfortable with that silence is really a powerful way to improve your confidence and improve your speaking. One way that I always think about being put on the spot, right? And feeling like you have to answer something. But the problem is when you don't really have an answer, it's like, how do you kind of transition? So I always just remind people, just you can also, you know, punt it to other people by asking a question. So you can, somebody is asking you directly and you may not know. And you can say, no, that's an interesting question. Perhaps uh, Kelsey might know, because I know, I remember Kelsey, you and I talked about A, B, and C. Right. And then you're almost like punting it to somebody else. So it's less pressure on you to have to think of like, oh, how can I sound smart in that moment? Right. Um, so asking questions, you know, throwing it to somebody else who, you know, probably might have an answer because you don't. You know, that's another way to kind of like push the attention off of you, especially in that mm -hmm. moment. Right. So um, at this point right now, Kelsey, you and I have been chatting for over 45 minutes. And it's just like, it's just flowed. I, I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. And I want to thank the over 160 of you all who are here tuning in and listening to Kelsey and I talk about impromptu speaking. And we are about to wrap up, which is a bit sad because I feel like this topic is something that I love talking about. But Kelsey, as we start to like wrap up here, do you have any takeaways, anything that you'd love our audience to just remember when it comes to building that confidence in impromptu speaking, if somebody was going to end watching this, go and do some work now, what would you want them to remember? Jessica, you know, I think when we think about career goals, personal goals, one of the biggest things that I see in clients and students is when they finally just understand impromptu speaking, they see that they can answer questions, they can give speeches, however you want to, you know, define it. There are so many areas of their life that just change because when we think about the ability to answer any question and we're no longer afraid of the question that an interviewer will ask or a question that comes up in a meeting, it opens up so many doors, right? I mean, this kind of speaking really requires you to be fully present in the moment to be fearless about the potential judgment that someone may have. Oh, she didn't say it that way, or she stumbled there. And it requires you to be flexible. It requires you to go with the flow. And there's just, there's just so many life lessons that come from being able to really grasp onto this skill and use it in your personal life and your professional life. I mean, we talk a lot about the workplace, but even in your personal life. I mean, we talk about um, there's an activity that we do in a lot of improv that's called yes and. 
And it's this idea of whatever somebody gives you, take it, consider it, add on to it. And so if we think about conflict in our personal relationships at work, just the ability to listen, to work with that person, to co-create an idea, rather than getting stuck in, this is what I want to say, this is what I think, and we say, yes, but, yeah, that would work, but, versus, yes, and we could try this, yes, and we need to think about this. So just those, those small things are really going to transform the way that we show up, the way that our relationships work, whether or not we're saying no, whether or not we're being promoted. And so if you're looking for something that's going to really benefit you in a lot of ways, you're going to you know, get a huge return on your investment. I think impromptu speaking in particular is going to be one of those fantastic skills. Plus, it's super fun. You know, <laughs> you do it with your kids. You can you know, practice it in your relationships. Even when I'm chatting with friends, I try to be mindful of Am I just trailing off? I tend to trail off a lot whenever I talk. And so there's lots of ways you can just incorporate this into your regular life. And it's going to improve that confidence and bring you so many other benefits. So I would just say that's that's really one of the biggest things that that I would take away from. And anytime I get the opportunity to teach impromptu speaking, that is really where I see the biggest growth in folks is being able to say, you know what, you can ask me anything and I will survive. I'm not going to die. You know, it might be awkward, it might be uncomfortable, but I will get through this silly question. And now I feel like I can do anything. I can't even underestimate how important good communication skills are. And the best thing about it is it's something that can be learned. I always share my personal story of saying I was not a good communicator. I was very, I'm an introvert by nature. I was very shy growing up put me in a meeting. Oh my gosh, I was kind of like that quiet person. But I realized that in order for me to really make an impact, add value, I, one day I was like, Jessica, you really need to work on your communication skills. And I'm happy to say that once you really do invest in learning all these things, like even right now, you know, Kelsey, you and I have been talking for almost an hour about impromptu speaking, but this is a topic that is, cannot just be covered in an hour. This is something that needs to just constantly be honed, you know? Um, of course, here at Soulcast Media, we can help you with that. But regardless, whether it's us or somebody else, I think everybody just kind of taking the time to find resources that can support you. You'd be surprised. Little by little, you'll be able to speak a lot more clearly and even be more clear-minded. Like, trust me, I still get nervous when I talk. Um, I don't have the, the luxury of not having those nerves. I and mean, it's because I'm human, right? Like, I will be put on the spot sometimes. I do a lot of speaking engagements and I'll get questions from the audience and they'll ask me something that had nothing to do with my talk that I prepared for, but I still have to answer them, right? So it's just being able to find techniques that work for you. Uh, one takeaway that I want to share with everybody as we start to wrap up here is just remembering that in the end, if you're in a meeting, because I know that's what a lot of people wrote when they're in meetings and they're put on the spot, that's when they get really nervous. Whether you're in a meeting with executives or just your team, just remember that we're all people in the end, right? That executive that you might get nervous speaking around, it's 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 John, it's Susan, it's, you know, it's okay. Like they, they get it, right? So I think a lot of times we uh, put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be like, oh gosh, we have to be a certain way, but you know, just, just respond, you know, just, just tell it as it is. And if you find yourself getting long-winded, Rein yourself back in by saying, I'm sorry, the point I'm trying to make here is da, da 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 So even just saying those words, the point I'm trying to make here is, right? So as we kind of close out now, Kelsey, where can people find you if they want to be connected with you? Yeah. So I think, Jessica, you have a beautiful website that I had nothing to do with. So there is a board of communicators section on there that's got several uh, communication advisors and public speaking coaches. And so you can find me on there. I am on LinkedIn. I am a little bit of a social media curmudgeon. So I am trying to get on board with LinkedIn. Uh, that's just me, right? I just prefer that face-to-face -face communication. So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Jessica's website, as well as some of our other communication coaches. I think there's some articles on there as well that can help point you in some directions. And so I'd love to work with 
each and every one of you. And I'm sure that Jessica has lots of great resources to share with you as well. So Kelsey, as I mentioned, she's one of our public speaking coaches. And you can find, if you want to work with her one-on-one, -on -one, you can find her on our website, soulcastmedia.com, and book a time with her. And she can work with you on impromptu speaking, if that's something that really sparked your curiosity after today's talk. I want to thank everybody for tuning in again. Hopefully everybody enjoyed this talk. It flew by, at least on my end. And I feel like there's actually a lot more that I would love to talk about when it comes to this. But if there's more tips and tricks that you are wanting to learn, go to our website, soulcastmedia.com, because we offer lots of resources. In terms of working on your communications, there's a few ways you can work with us at Soulcast Media. You can book a time one-on-one -on -one with Kelsey. Um, she's one of our coaches. Or we have a membership program. It's called the Soulcast Media Membership, and it's where every month you get to work with me and a small group of people. We meet and we talk all things communications. And in this group, we do a lot of public speaking practices. We help people just feel more confident. So check out our membership program. Check out our one-on-one. -on -one. I My goal with Soulcast Media is to be the resource for folks for all things communications. So you're at the right place. I have another Soulcast Media Live event coming up in about two weeks. I host these every two weeks here on LinkedIn. If you have an RSVP for that event, it's for Developing Speaking Confidence at Work. So that's the title of that event. If you have an RSVP for that, go to our website because we're going to post everything there. Kelsey, thank you so, so, so much for spending your afternoon with us. Hopefully you will be able to cool down and at least stay in a nice cold AC area. <laughs> send me popsicles, you guys. <laughs> I know. Please send me some too. And I, I'm part of can't complain. It's not as hot where I am and where you are. Again, thank you all for tuning in. Again, I host these all the time. And the goal is to provide you all with communication tips. But if there's any tips that you were like, oh, what did Jessica and Kelsey talk about that I missed? Grab our VIP communications pass. The QR code is on here. Just scan it and it'll bring you to the site where we'll be able to provide you with all the tips that we shared, all the golden nuggets, as I like to say. So Kelsey, thank you so much for taking the time and thank you all for spending your morning, afternoon, or your evening with us. I look forward to seeing you all soon. Take care. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you're inspired to begin improving your communications confidence, well, we'd love to help. Join our monthly communications membership where I teach a brand new communications workshop every single month. Or become a VIP member to access our best communications articles for life. Or maybe get one-on-one -on -one coaching with one of our board of communicators. We offer so many ways for you to learn. And it's